Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of the Unofficial Lost Hair Film Podcast. As always, this podcast is recorded online, so the audio quality is not the best. Let's dive right in. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of the Unofficial Lost Hair Film Podcast. I am joined by Christian Kenton Brandmayer and new to the show, Tyrell Massey. Say hello. 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 All right. So today we're talking about mainly resources available at Lost Hair University and all the great stuff in between. So let's start out with um, Ty, since you are the special guest today. Um, tell us a little bit, a little bit about like what you've done, uh, what you've been involved in the last year, and any like extracurricular stuff that you want to say. Right. So I started off um, my first year as just doing uh, on-set sound things, and then I quickly started following people like Kevin Spire and got into the music department. And so that's where I am currently as the um, lead sound engineer in the music department. So I record all the concerts and mix them afterwards, things like that. And then I also do just uh, side projects. Like right now for my senior thesis, I'm making uh, all the sound and sound design for a video game with the computer science students. So lots of great things happening. Awesome. Kevin will be joining us shortly. He just texted me um, that he's <laughs> going to be jumping on. So, Amazing. all right. All right. Um, Chris, let's go on to you. Any like stuff that you've been involved in or any extra? extra oh, dude, I have a list. Okay. So, in general, when I came into school, I was wanting to be really active. So, I, at my freshman year, I had five jobs. I was, in my first year, the uh, main sound uh, engineer for First Service, which was our Friday Night Vespers. I began working with Zamparo School of Business as one of their uh, tech um, tech members, helping to record slash broadcast slash you know mix their concerts um, and their events. I began helping with chapel and doing graphics and running, creating, um, and utilizing them. Let's see what else did I do. I was working for a church as one of their sound mixers. Uh, lost, uh, I was working for Lowell University Church at the time. There's a fifth job I'm forgetting, but it's been a long time. <laughs> Point is that I've been doing a lot of very uh, adjacent jobs that either involve me in sound or technology in some degree, most of the time with audiovisual of productions. All right, Kenton, what have you done? Um, well, I've worked in the film department, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> no, same as me, not much compared to these two. Yeah. Um, I had a different start than most film majors because I didn't start off as a film major. I started off as a nursing major. So I kind of went from the whole science-y end of everything to the whole creative side of everything. So you converted to the dark side is what you're saying? I think I converted to the light side, <laughs> oh. personally. <laughs> but yeah, um, stuff I've done. Well, I helped Ty working somewhat on the sound of music a little bit not as much as some other people. And then I've also helped at a few concerts and that's about it. Awesome. Nice. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hello. Um, I'll, I'll just ask everyone to list what have they done at La Sierra, any extracurriculars you know, involving media or whatnot. So do you want to say something about that, about yourself? Sure, definitely. Um, well, last year, gave me a lot of options um, through the years. So I, I started out uh, not on, I didn't start out as film, I started out as music technology. Um, so from that point of view, I got a lot of opportunities to work um, both with uh, student colleagues and then also with uh, professional musicians um, and faculty. Um, so, as music tech, I got to work with students and we got to create um, albums together and uh, we recorded things um, for, for people at last year, at least um, they would know of the, the music video that the music department produced. Um, I was the assistant recording engineer for that. So I got to work with um, a, is it? What does he have? He has seven Emmy? No. Yes. Uh, six time. 
so Gary Kuo, um, I got to work with a composer, um, also with musicians um, and video as well. I mean, it worked in all different ways. Um, so I got a lot of opportunities to do that. And then when I switched over to film, then I got to work with um, a lot of different people, um, including my professors. So I worked, I've worked with my professors working on post-production for TV shows. Um, I got opportunities to work with people on set, um, both student film sets um, with connections through other schools and, um, and sets like It Is Written and things like that. They actually got to, um, we had a couple of people come to campus and they needed people to work. So I got an opportunity to work with them. Um, so La Sierra just provides a lot of constant options for learning your trade, not only through class, but through actually working for people. Yes, all right, nice. Three of you guys are some, or have been some majors. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe speaking for Kevin, because he's graduated. Um, Chris, you are sound focused, but more focused on the production side of sound. Yep. Uh, for each of you guys, like, what is it like being a, a sound major or having focused on sound with like a lot of responsibility because you know it's like there's, there's two sides of uh, a visual storytelling one is video and one is audio so what is it like being like having that much responsibility focusing on that side of things Ooh. <laughs> i guess i'll start on my end and then we'll kind of transition into their end because my work kind of flows into theirs <laughs> so when I'm on set, I am usually the only person on set recording sound. It's very rare I have a boom operator or I have a second person to help me. And all of my equipment, I need to set up by myself. I need to make sure it all works. If I'm running time code, I need to make sure it jams with the camera. Um, and basically, I don't have a department behind me or I don't have anyone to help me. And I am half of the current storytelling when we're when we're actually recording because you have the visual side and you have the audio side for the for the visual side you have all the people doing camera work lighting people doing makeup and hair the people performing on screen and then on the audio side you have me recording all of it and if something of my equipment or my technique is bad i have contributed half of what makes that film either really horrible or really great and anything that I do wrong, I have to then hand off to people like Kenton and Ty and Kevin, who then have to try to fix my mistake after the fact. And it's kind of daunting to be to have to do that and to have that responsibility on set. And it's part of why I try to be very prepared and to come to set knowing what we're going to be doing, what to look for, and what I need to record based off of previous uh, projects. Nice. All right. Kenton, let's go to you, then Ty, and then Kevin. So, what it's like being a sound major? What's it, what's it like being responsible for half of the style of visual storytelling, or if live concerts or any live events, you are um, trying to make it sound good, you know? I guess I'll talk about the live side, because it's more of what I've done helping out so far. So, yes. working on the live side, for the sound of music, at least, the musical... It was very stressful to make sure everyone was mic'd correctly and make sure that their mics were working because we had a mic that quit working halfway through of our second lead. And so we had to figure out which mics we could take off of one person and put onto him instead. And in like a one minute like span, we had to do that right before we went out on stage and that was very stressful. <laughs> All right, Ty. Yeah, I think... Um, as being a sound guy, you start to realize that what you do, um, like Chris was saying, directly affects like the whole production, like in a big way. Um, like my end of things in post, um, basically, since I do most of my stuff without a team, just by myself or whatever, um, whatever I do and whatever final call I make, like that's that's what's gonna be like printed or that's what's gonna be um, bounced. You know, that's what the viewers are gonna see and hear. Um, so it like, 
it kind of takes like younger students or whatever and and kind of shapes them up into uh more responsible you get you get you get more responsible about other things as well knowing that like um like for me in the music department um a lot of people after they play their senior recital you know they want the recording and you want you want to make sure it sounds good you know because your name is printed right on that you know like sound mixer or whatever um and so you just have a especially as sound guys we have a like obligation to make sure we don't mess up and um uh, make sure it just sounds good overall nice kevin you know it's kind of interesting hearing uh the other responses with the have kind of saying you, you know well since it's just me i have to do it this way um it's, it's just interesting because i feel like i had the exact opposite experience in that sense um with through my experiences i was definitely one of several um and usually the leader of several uh, and so that was like a whole different source of responsibility. Um, so like Chris was saying on set, um, he's in charge of getting everything going all at once, making sure it sounds good. And if anything goes wrong, it's all his fault. Um, definitely the, <laughs> def definitely the same for me, yeah. but, um, like for instance, I was, I was working on productions for the production sequence. Uh, and it was my responsibility to make sure there was a boom up to make sure there was um, somebody just literally wrapping cables or coiling cables or holding cables, making sure nothing was wrong. Uh, it was my responsibility to make sure that the batteries were there beforehand, to make sure that the mics worked. Um, and then also to instruct the people running it. Like there, there was one of the films that I didn't touch the sound, like equipment. I didn't have headphones on. I was literally just there and if anything, I think that was more stressful because I had no idea what it sounded like until I got it into oh. post. Uh, and of course, I mean, I was like Ty worked on that set. So I was putting a lot of trust into Ty's skill um, and and into several other people's skills, but a lot more stressful. And the same thing on the other side, um, on the music side of things, it's because a lot of the live stuff, it was like Kenton was talking about, um, having to stressfully change a mic and figure out whose mic to take within a half a second. Uh, I've been both in his shoes and I've been in the shoes of, of sitting upstairs and just hoping, <laughs> I hope, quote unquote, Kenton or somebody else gets this right. <laughs> and is able to communicate to me what he chooses before, you know, the curtains open. Because, um, yeah, I've literally been on stage, actually, even this last year for The Sound of Music, I was on stage, like, while the curtains are closed, handing off a microphone, and as I'm running off stage, the curtains are opening. So, I mean, it's it's stressful, but it's definitely been a team effort, in my experience, a lot, um, and it's just kind of been that I've been shoved into the responsibility of keeping that team together. Um, so definitely a lot of experience and a lot of stress, but um, I've enjoyed it a lot as well. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and stress too. Um, let's talk briefly, uh, Kevin, you touched a lot of, about the music side of um, La Sierra. So with Kevin and Ty, uh, let's briefly talk, talk about the, the process in the music department as far as like making sure like live events happen and making sure like each person if or each musician if they want to can get like an album um or something of the sorts and how that kind of collaboration is there between like essentially if you guys aren't there like it is would be very hard for them to put on half the stuff that they do so let's talk about that really briefly yeah, I can start. Um, I think there's a lot of scheduled events we have, and those are kind of those are a little easier. I think, um, especially if it's a recital with just a few instruments, we can spend more time beforehand prepping on you know 
how we want to record them, what mics we want to use. And like we have that knowledge just from the years of working with different mics and learning from our teachers and other people above us. Um, and so we choose, you know, what mic to use, things like that. And then the day of, um, you know, we draw out like a plan, how you want to record it. We set it up. We just want to make the one of the things that's important to me is to make the musician or whoever's performing feel really comfortable, you know, because I mean, I can set up a, a mic super well. I mean, and but if they're not comfortable, like if it's in an awkward place for them, they're going to be performing, you know, at like a lesser quality. Um, so we go through, you know, record it like that. Um, the overall process, since there's so few of us in the in the grand scheme of things, like in the music department, um, it's pretty relaxed, I would say. Um, we kind of just, you know, text each other if we're going to check out a mic or something. Um, but we definitely have to lean on each other really hard because if just like you said, if just one of us um, is gone, like if I have to go to like a doctor's appointment or something like that, that's like one third of our um, of our team or one fourth of our team gone. So we really lean on each other um, times like that. Yeah, definitely. There's a, it's a different style of things um, because normally in a school setting, you think, oh, well, the, the professor is in charge or the staff member is in charge. Um, with music tech and with film, too, uh, for the most part, we, we're not on our own because there are staff and faculty assistants. But at the same time, it's kind of expected that it's our responsibility. Um, so yes, I do have my professors that taught me a lot and, and teach me a ton still. Um, but they, they think of it as, you took the class for me. You're prepared for this. Have fun. Um, and so it's one of those things. It's um, like Ty said, like making sure that um, the people are both happy and comfortable is a huge part of it, uh, but also communication just in general, because yeah, Ty said we plan ahead and we plan to set up for these instruments, um, but there's been a lot of times that we just didn't know because no one responded. Um, from from both the staff and faculty side or the performer side, and so we'll get there and we'll say, "Oh, you're you're a pianist major, like you know, you're your performance major and you perform piano. Cool, we're gonna be setting up mics on the piano." And they're like, "Oh yeah, but we we brought a jazz trio and two vocalists as well." And you're like, "Huh, cool. I didn't schedule anyone else with me today because I thought it was gonna be simple." Um, and so, you know, mm -hmm. I'm picking up a phone calling Ty, hey, so I need to set up like six other microphones, maybe more than that. Uh, are you on campus? And he's like, nope, I'm home. And I'm like, ah, cool, great. Um, so we'll figure that out, I guess. And so you literally spend the next hour or so freaking out because as you run from place to place and then, you know, that's the time where the stream's not working. And you're mm -hmm. you can't get this. You're like, is the cable bad? What's going on? Why am I not getting sound? Like you you have so many stressful issues. Um, but at the same time, it's a really good learning experience because once you've done all that, you're like, oh, I can do this again. And then you know, the whole thing comes up, and you're like, nope, I can't do it again. Right. And I think <laughs> after you go through experiences like that, you especially your problem solving skills and your troubleshooting skills. Like, I think that's one of the most important things as working with sound, especially live stuff, your troubleshooting skills. Um, we've had so many times this last event, the sound of music, so many times where we've had mics kind of go bad because we'd have just old equipment or things like that. And we've had to fix them on the fly, like learning, like after um, one practice we had, we had like four of the mics not working properly. So I was. I just went down to my um, one of the studios downstairs and like, well, I guess I'm gonna learn on YouTube how to resolder these mics really quick. Um, <laughs> and so you go through, oh. and then you don't solder them correctly, and you do it again and again, and then by the end of the performance and the last day, everything's working just perfectly. And you know, I think because of all that problem solving, at least in the music department, um, the the rest of the department just they don't worry about the sound guys they just say like oh yeah they they got it handled you know because we've gone through all that like every 
possible thing that could go wrong has gone wrong and so we know how to handle it and so they're never Amen. worried about like you know the sound not coming through yeah that's you guys are really unique in that position and that there are so few of you guys there uh also it's also unique because like if you're a post-production sound major it's almost like guaranteed that you're going to be working with the music department on all these different like live events and recording uh, albums and whatnot for other film majors you know it's not exactly as guaranteed you know as a production major or a script writing major as compared to like a sound major like doing stuff at La Sierra so let's uh briefly go on a, a list uh Kenton we'll start with you then Chris then Ty and then Kevin about like what are opportunities that you think the last year provides for any film major, whether that be sound production, script writing, or editing? So like anything besides sound? Anything anything that at last year that the student can go out and like as a resource available to them for like to either get experience or you know start building a, a portfolio. I think it's well, something that's kind of like adjacent to what we're doing in the film in the film program. Yeah. Oh, so like if someone asked you to like work on something and you could do it per se? Yeah, or anything like last year, like let's just say, you know, like how the music department is a resource for sound majors. What is a, like a resource for production majors or script writing majors or editing majors that they could take advantage of at last year? Oh, okay. Um, well, the script writing people, they could um, work at what's the writing center and for their English department is a great resource for them to use because they can either have their own scripts read and like looked over or they could try and work there themselves and look over other people's writings and try and see where they did wrong and how they could use other people's failures for their successes per se. That's a good one. Chris? Um, for production majors, more specifically on the camera side, they could focus a lot more on photography. Every event needs to be photographed, and most events are held by uh, either Salsu or First Service or Spiritual Life or ZSB or our own campus photographer, Natan, who needs uh, you know students sometimes to help him get more photos. So if you're a production major that's focusing on visuals, the best way to practice is to keep taking photos and keep framing it uh, for different events. Nice. Ty. Yeah, one thing that I've been lucky to do is take um, a lot of my classes have really few people. So I took um, like Japanese and then like a Chinese history course, too. And a lot of those professors and teachers, they um, have I just and I haven't had the time, but they've asked me um, to reach out if there's like film students that want to promote those classes that are like struggling to you know be there. So whether it's like going my teacher offered to go like to an event with them, like um, uh, some like Chinese dance ceremony or something, you know, go and film it, things like that. And then um, and in a lot of cases, they even get paid and it helps out like the smaller like language departments. And then it helps them both out to like how you work with a client and things like that. So I think they're a good amount. That's a unique one. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Kevin. Yeah, I think the biggest, um, which is, also the most obvious yet the most overlooked is um, <laughs> professors, um, just in general. Um, professors, you'd be surprised at how much outside of the film department they want help and then mm -hmm. inside the film department they can help. Um, they like Professors have a lot of opportunities everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. So like we talked, like Kenton talked about the writing center, like there's professors for drama and there's professors for um, for writing in general but so you can work on the teams for the drama department you can uh, learn how to produce uh, live skits and things which in turn teaches you how to produce a recording of quote unquote a live skit uh, which would be your film um, and then you've got business people who are just going out all the time and they want to make uh, huge videos and their uh, small videos even like there, there's a lot of business students that are trying to get companies up and running and they need somebody to help them with their social media um, both in photography and videography um, and sound I mean 
I've done a lot of stuff for a lot of students just because they're like, hey, like, I've got this video and it kind of isn't that great. Can you help me make it better? <laughs> um, there's just opportunities all over campus. Um, Chris touched on one of the big ones, which is just uh, working on the different like things. So like there's there's the services on campus that need to be captured. There's the events on campus that needs to be captured. Um, Salsu is a great resource for that stuff. If you can hook up with Salsu, then you've got tons and tons of events and things that um, are available to you to learn, to practice, to um, get better at your craft. Um, but then, of course, the professors directly can give you things. Like I said, I've worked on outside gigs because my professor set me up with the person. Mm -hmm. um, so like both on campus and off campus, um, there are just a ton of opportunities available. And your fellow students, um, just being friends with some of the right people. Like mm -hmm. Chris and I both, we got hooked up with um, Art Center in LA, um, Pasadena Art Center. Um, just through a couple friends of ours, and then we have had tons and tons of gigs um, through mm -hmm. them. Um, majority, if not all, paid. Um, I've worked on overnight shoots. I've worked on weekend shoots. I've worked on, um, you know, fourteen-hour day shoots where I was <laughs> like, "Why am I driving all the way to LA to do this?" But at the same time, it was a great experience. It it helped me pay a little bit off my tuition mm -hmm. um, and buy me some food, of course. Um, but, but you know, there, there's resources. So, like, even now, like, as this, I know technically I'm considered staff now, but I've had students reach out to me and have me connect them with people. Um, it's, it's a pretty regular thing, and I don't know if all the film students realize how many opportunities there are, um, just all over. Yeah, nice. I think That's one of the things you're touching on is pretty interesting. Is that there's a ton of opportunities. You just need to go look. And it's really hard to find an opportunity if you expect it to come to you versus if you're actively searching for it. Oh, definitely. And that's one of the big things that I had to learn really fast if I wanted to do anything was you because there's been times I just literally just showed up um, like, hey, do you need help? And then it turned out that I was working on this huge project. And then since I was there the first day, then I was there the rest of the days. Um, you know, it's, that's just the type of situation that you have to be in, which of course you have to be careful about. You don't want to be pushy and force yourself on them. But most of the time you'd be surprised how much help people really do need. Um, even if it's like your fellow students, like I know if if I showed up to a set that Chris is working, I said, hey, do you need a boom up? I highly doubt he would turn me down, you know? You're like, correct. He, he's not, not going to be like, oh, sorry, this is my set. Uh, I need you? to keep my personal like abilities here. Uh, he'd be like, nope, nope, great, cool. That's one less thing I need to worry about. So <laughs> you just just connecting with people and, and putting yourself out there is a huge thing. Right. I think most people are nicer than you'd imagine. Um, like for one of the, since I'm wanting to like kind of get into the video game industry, um, a company here in Washington, I just sent out a really nice email to the um, uh, the sound editor, you know, I just went on their website and looked at their late sound editor like, oh, I'd love a tour. I'm like really interested. And he just said, yeah, sure. Just let me know whenever you're coming up in the summer. You know, I think it's like reaching out. People are nicer and they'd be more opportunities than you'd think. I think it's a good lesson because if you're already answering no for people, that's the answer. But you don't know until you ask. It's better to ask and then get a no versus not ask at all because you're not going to you're not going to ever give yourself the possibility of getting a yes then. Yeah, and again, just the connections. Like, you have professors here that they're here because they're willing to help you, and they have connections like that. Like, one of our um, Sam professors, he's he just knows so many people, so many famous people, and you're like, I don't know how you know these people. But, like, <laughs> it's just like, oh, so you want to go um, to Fox Studios? Oh, yeah, let me just call. He, he's like, he used to work for me, and uh, we're good friends. He's the head of the of the sound department at Fox Studios. He's in charge of everything. And he calls him up so, and the guy says, yeah, totally, anytime. Just let me know, come on down, we'll get you in. And you know, we didn't have any issues, well, except for finding the right gate because you can't get through the whole building. You can't get the whole through the whole area through one gate. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, and even then it was like, called him on the phone, hey, which one do we go to? Uh, and so we got to go to Fox Studios on a field trip just because why not? Uh, and then there's other opportunities that we still haven't taken advantage of that we would like to. Um, just meeting tons of 
awesome people. We've got we've gone to live studio sessions, um, recording sessions. We've got all these opportunities. Um, I've recorded a studio trumpet player because he's just an adjunct professor for the music department. He teaches trumpet, but this guy is just phenomenal. He's so good, and I wouldn't have a chance to do that otherwise. Um, I recorded the principal cellist of um, the uh, LA Phil Harmonic, um, and like, I'm, I don't know if everybody understands what that is, but the principal <laughs> cellist is the cellist that is in charge of all the other cellists, and he like, like he had a bow for his cello that he said was like $3,000. Like normally you walk in with a cellist and they're like, okay, here's my cello, here's my bow. I'm going to sit here, you record me. He, I walked in and I was talking to him and he was the nicest guy in the world. And he was like, so I have my, my cello here and I've got four bows. Can you tell me which one you think sounds better for this piece? And he asked me as the uh, recording engineer, a student, to help him pick which one would sound the best in the hall with his performance. And you know, that's not something that you get at a lot of like other schools. Like there's a lot of opportunities here that you just like, you can walk right by if you're not careful. Um, but professors is definitely a huge one because he was brought in by a professor and that professor asked me specifically to come and record him because I had made a good impression on that professor. Um, Ooh, good lessons. Yeah. yeah good definitely. lessons of make lots of friends, make friends with your professors, don't be afraid to ask. Mm. Yeah, don't ever be afraid to ask. The worst thing they can do is say no. And it's like, well, then you're in the same place you were before you asked. It's not like you're in any worse situation. You just have to go ask someone else. Yeah, that's, that's great because like, lots of students can be or are, are afraid to ask. And like, whereas, you know, the worst they can say is say no. Um, and their attitude should be, you know, is if they're uh, if they can't afford to, you know, they should ask and say, you know, hey, I can do this, um, or hey, do you need any help? Um, but for some people, you know, they might not want to, like, spend the energy if it's, like, unpaid or spend the time if it's, like, you know, giving them, like, long hours or anything. What, like, do you feel as if students can afford to spend time and energy if it's, like, unpaid work? I think, I think one thing that's important to realize is that when you're doing these things that are unpaid or whatever, you know, you're really investing in yourself. Um, like my first year in the music department, I worked every event with Kevin and it was all volunteer um, because I was just a first year student. And, you know, um, but like after that, the next year, I knew exactly, you know, like how the system worked, how a lot about how all the mics work, things like that. So I think it's important to realize that like, it's it's hard to see it as a non like tangible thing, but when you're doing these things, especially for your craft, you're really investing in yourself, and like that's really important. The first and foremost thing that needs to be understood is there's no such thing as unpaid. Um, that it may be monetarily unpaid, but there is always a payment of some kind that you even if you're not getting it right away, like like Ty just said, he worked basically a whole year with me for no pay, but now, um, well, first of all, when we came to the time that I was leaving and they asked me who should be in charge next, I said, well, Ty's put in the most time. He has the most experience at this point, um, even though he wasn't the eldest, um, but I recommended him because of all the time he had put in. So first of all, he got a job that normally he wouldn't have gotten from it. And also, I'm still around and he still calls me and it's kind of backwards now because first I was calling him for help and now he's calling me for help and I'm not getting paid for that. Um, but I am repaying all the effort he put in um, through my effort. Um, so it's just, just because you're not getting, you know, a check or a Venmo uh, right away doesn't mean that you're not making or getting payment of some kind. And that's the biggest thing. Like, even if your only payment is experience, experience is one of the biggest payments you can get because it makes you better and makes you able to, in the future, get more payment, more real <laughs> monetary payment. Like, 
you don't go and say, hey, I'm worth $50 an hour as a student when you don't have any experience because you're not like if, if you <laughs> if you don't have the experience and you don't turn out the product that is worth $50 an hour, then you're not. And when you bump it up to $100 an hour, $150 an hour, it's like, no, I'm doing that because I have spent the time. I have worked with these people. I have gotten this experience. And that's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand um, that it's it's everything is paid, whether or not you're getting it right then and there. I cannot agree more. I think one of the biggest things people need to realize is that when you work on something or when you're asked to work on something, volunteer or not, you are investing into your future, like everyone was saying. In one way or another, you're investing into your own skills and experiences. And in another way, you're investing into your relationships and your connections that you're building. Like Kevin was saying with him and Ty, one of the most important things sometimes is to build up a better connection first. But obviously, you're also building up an intensely focused skill set that makes you the first and only choice. Now, when you get to the point where you think that your skills are valuable enough and you have decided on what your value is, yes, you should ask for payment. You should ask for monetary compensation. But you need to get to the point where you are comfortable with saying that I am finally worth this. I can back this up with my experience and my knowledge. And that is when you can start asking for money. Until that point, you should probably keep grinding and grinding and grinding and learning and building the connections and building the bridges that you can. But once you get to the point where you uh, realize my time and my energy is worth as much money, yeah, you should absolutely be paid. And you should not be afraid to ask for that. Kenton, do you have anything else to say on this matter? I think it was pretty well covered by Kevin and Ty and Chris. They went over a lot of insights that I'm definitely going to try and take advantage of once we resume back to normal life. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Don't right, wait. Until it. Do it now. Sorry, you have opportunities now. <laughs> and, th and that's the other part of it. It's just like, don't, don't say, oh, well, I can, I can, I'll get it. I'll get there. Uh, go do it now, which I know, Kenton, it's very hard. And I don't mean to put you on the spot or anything, but <laughs> like there, there are still opportunities right now that are happening that you can do from home. Um, so never give up. Like I've been working on friends uh, mixes because they're at home doing nothing, playing with GarageBand, which to me is just horrid because I absolutely Ooh. hate GarageBand. But <laughs> they send me their GarageBand thing, and I'm like, yeah, totally. Like for for nothing else than just practicing, I yeah, I'll, I'll try a mix of it. And sometimes they love it, sometimes they hate it. I'm like, hey, I got I got to try either way, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So just opportunities like that are really really easy to come by, especially now because that's what every one of your friends is doing in their free time. Uh, at least any one of your musical friends. And if you don't, if you don't know who to contact, I can hook you up with people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think you bring up a really interesting point, Kevin, um, because I think we see a really interesting mindset of being very passive versus being very active. I think a lot of students who learn quickly, who get the jobs that they're looking for, who get the opportunities and the connections, or have a very active mindset. What can I be doing right now to improve, to grow, to learn? To eventually you know increase my value what am i doing right now to do that versus students who think okay well i'll get there eventually i'm not there yet it's okay um when you have an active mindset you're going to actively seek opportunities and you're going to continuously learn by doing it if you have a passive mindset you kind of have this thought process that everything will kind of come to you eventually you'll learn it eventually someone will teach you it eventually but by yeah. the time you get that same knowledge you're four or five years behind the person who is actively seeking it. Well, and the secret to that is you know somebody who has that knowledge. You know someone who is fully capable to do that job. Um, just like right in this in this podcast right here, if Kenton gets, a, gets an opportunity, he doesn't have to turn it down because he doesn't know more than GarageBand. Like maybe the only thing he's ever used is GarageBand and they're sending him something in Logic. Um, several of us have Logic and can share logic to him and say, hey, bro, like, fine, it, we, we can, let's set up a Zoom meeting, let's set up a Google Hangout. Uh, just because we're far away doesn't mean that we can't help you with this. Like, um, yeah, you don't know how to do all these mixing things. I'm happy to take some of the time out of my evening and sit down 
and say, well, so this is the techniques that I use. Try them. Here's some techniques that I know Ty uses that I absolutely hate, but try them too and, and make it your own mind, you know? Like, uh, there's, there's opportunities everywhere, and don't ever um, just give them up because you aren't fully prepared for them. If anything, you're never going to be fully prepared until you've done it. Uh, so that's one of the biggest things um, that students have to remember. It's like, well, you've got your other students. There's, there's like, I mean, Brendan, how many times did you come in and say, hey, I don't have, uh, I don't know how to do this, um, but one of my upperclassmen did. Uh, I know Chris and I have had the same experience. I know Ty has had the same experience. It's just mm -hmm. like, yeah, I didn't know what to do, um, and I was stuck. So I, I picked up my cell phone, and I sent out a text message, text message. I went and made a call. I walked to the classroom around the corner and said, hey, Carrie, can I borrow so-and-so? Because, you know, I'm on stage, and I'm struggling. Like, there's always opportunities. And professors are usually pretty good about that stuff. They're like, oh, yeah, just, they have to be back in 10 minutes or whatever. Or, or they'll make the whole class take a break, and everybody will go over there and learn that one thing all at once. You know, there's, <laughs> there's opportunities everywhere. And just because we're in a different situation right now with the whole COVID thing doesn't mean that we can't take advantage of opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've asked for help more times than I can count. <laughs> Awesome. Let's go through a, a quick fire round to list more resources that people can take advantage of while at Las Sierra University. So we already listed, of course, music, uh, writer center. Um, we've mentioned the ton with marketing um, professors, whether that be in like the language arts or any other professors around. Um, Kevin, you talked about that you've helped out with. Um, uh, other student films as well as all of us have done. Chris, you said you worked for a church. Um, all right, so let's, let's list some other resources available last year that you can take advantage of. Chris, we'll start with you. Then we'll go oh, to yeah. Ty, Anton, and Kevin. Yeah, I have one right off the bat. Um, local, your school newspaper is extremely vital. The reason is because you have projects to write on certain topics. And if you're a writer and you're a photographer or you need to record something, your school newspaper usually will have a good turnaround of uh, projects for you to do. And so it's a good opportunity to practice your writing skills. It's a good opportunity to practice photography skills. It's a good opportunity to work in a client project environment where you have deadlines that you have to meet because then that prepares you for the future uh, after graduation. Yeah. That will go with you. Okay, cool. Um, one thing in uh, particular that I learned these last few quarters, I've been taking, I know we said the departments, but I've been taking a few um, art classes. And one of the professors, um, Terrell Thomas, he's really open to people like coming and helping. They go on events all the time, whether it be like sometimes they um, they hike up to, you know, some mountain or whatever, or they have what we call fam night and we all get together and do things together but they are they're always looking for people to uh um to like take pictures or to film you know or or whatever like that and even um aside from that your other students around I, th this is like a even though it's like a pretty small school in comparison to other colleges um there's always students um if looking around you know like some people on your floor or whatever if anyone's looking to like film them like riding their skateboard or you know doing something something like some hike or whatever that's that's always a good way to get started too yeah it's amazing how many people just like on like living in the dorm i lived in the dorm for the first three years and like how many projects did i work on just because i was the next door down you know um i can't even tell you how many times i have recorded a video in towers elevator just because you know they thought it was cool to have the metal background behind them um and they did it for a class project or whatever um just constant constant options i was thinking one thing that you could do is ask the deans of the dorm you're living in or just any dorm on campus and ask if they would like a promo video like you could shoot that for them and probably make it pretty good just on your own and get good recognition that way. Oh, that is so true. Yeah, you don't need to like ask Natan if you can do a promotional video. Just go out and do a promotional video that way. And then even if Natan doesn't use it, you get an experience that way. Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin, do you have any other uh, resources that you want to say? Quick fire. 
Yeah, well, um, so kind of touching on what Chris said, um, just opportunities, they don't have to be opportunities that you obviously know. Uh, so Chris said, if you're a writer, um, go write for your school newspaper. Um, but your school newspaper is also doing options. Um, they, uh, they're like, okay, cool. Um, I, we want to do a podcast. And I know Salsu has been doing a podcast. Um, and they've been doing an audio podcast. So you don't have to be an audio emphasis to do that. Your options um, can, you can improve your options by improving their options, you know? So if, <laughs> if, if a videographer went in and said, hey, like, yeah, your audio is sounding pretty good, but you're posting this on Instagram, you're posting this on, on Facebook, on YouTube, whatever, wouldn't you like to have video with this too? Um, and then they're like, we just don't know how. Ha, there you go. Uh, you, you've both enhanced their experience and given you an opportunity for experience. Um, so you can take things that don't always seem like just right up front, like, oh, this is good for me. Um, but maybe the person that's, that's writing for them, that's, that's writing out the scripts for the podcast, that's your classmate. And you sit right next to them in class every single day. So you've got an in because they were already working with these people. You go and you pitch your thing and say, by the way, I'm good friends with, with Chris, who's doing all your writing. And he can tell you about the video work I've done. Like I can, not only can I show you some of the video work I've done, but he can tell you because we've worked on set together. Um, and just opportunities, you, you can make opportunities where aren't, there are none. Um, and that's the biggest trick of all, is just finding things that most people would be shocked when you give them the opportunity for you, you know, it's it's weird because you're 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 helping them create an opportunity for you to have an opportunity. It's it's very interesting, but it's yeah. it's a very useful thing. Um, like like Kinton said, making a promo video. Like, yeah, Natan does do most of the promo work, but ninety percent of the departments don't have a promo yet, um, and. They don't even know that Natan's making the promos because he hasn't had an opportunity to reach out to them yet. So you reach out, and then Natan says, hey, wow, you got a really cool promo. Who made this? And then on the next promo he's doing, he calls you because you already made a pretty cool promo, you know? Um, and that's how people get jobs with Natan is by having work out there already. Um, so then in turn, you've done something for very little monetary value or um, any or any at all but in turn you get a job out of it uh, where you are making monetary you're just mm -hmm. you're making money from it it's great yes all right uh, let's go through the same circle again Chris Ty Kenton um, Kevin uh, one word a resource available another resource available services services need to be recorded and put up all right Kenton or Ty <laughs> <laughs> In uh, just one word? Uh, yeah, if possible. Professors. All right, yes, professors. All right, Kenton. Departments. Departments, uh, yes. Kevin. It can be one word, but I prefer two fellow students. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go through the rounds again, Chris. Brendan. I'm not sure, but okay. <laughs> Ty. Uh, Kevin. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Kenton. <laughs> Can I use two words? Yes. Um, school sports. Oh, that's a good one. Yes, that's what we really think good. of. Yeah. Kevin. IT, and to mm -hmm. kind of expand on that, you can a lot of the film majors get jobs through IT. Correct. Because there's a whole audiovisual section. That is a good one. Yes, and of course, I think we are needing to uh, shout out ZSB uh, marketing team if that's still a thing. <laughs> marketing team. <laughs> or the so, media yeah, team. ZSB production. Um, we provide a lot of jobs to film students as well um, because. It, it's funny, actually, because it's, it's a business department, but yet 
I was in charge of it for several years and I was never a business major and I work for them now and I'm in charge of that entire team, including the hiring and I was never a business major. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's a resource for people too. Um, mm -hmm. Though a small one because we can only hire so many people. I worked for them for my entire college uh, career. Yes. All right. Well, I think we are nearing our end. Does anybody have any last thoughts about resources available at Lester University or just sound stuff in general? Because you all are sound majors. Thank you, Brandon, <laughs> for reaching out and getting um, every, everybody that will eventually listen to this. Um, Thank you guys. Doing it for them. So can do it. Yes. And yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I hope something we said is actually useful to somebody else, you know, like, I, I, I hope mean, it's not just us, but it's, it's already useful to me. Yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts for Ty? Uh, yeah, you just, especially as like a film or sound major, you know, you just gotta make yourself uncomfortable and, and get out there. And especially if you're really kind of timid, just, you know, like talk to people, um, like colloquial colloquiums and stuff. Just talk to people, even though it makes you uncomfortable, but you'll you'll find some resources or, or some jobs that way. Nice. Chris, any last thoughts? You'll never get a yes if you don't ask first. So go out and ask. Look for those opportunities. Amen. Kenton? Yeah. Um, just make as many friends as you can. And let them know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, I'll end the podcast. Thank you guys for coming out and taking the time. I was was coming out. It's a really good term, but for recording online, coming to your, your <laughs> computers and recording online. Yeah. Thank you, Brendan. That's it. Thanks to Chris, Kenton, Kevin, and Ty for joining me in this episode of the Unofficial Lost Your Phone Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you listen to more.